Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Friday, November 5th, 2021. I'm on your host, Blessing Adioye Jr. Joining me is my PS I Love You XOXO co-host, Game Onesis, a.k.a. Janet Garcia. Yo, what's good? Uh, not much, Janet. First and foremost, I have to compliment your jacket. Looking fresh. You got the uh, you, you got the print right. You're like you're you're basically uh, 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 like in the background right now, right? Like you're you're blending in. You're a solid snake in the jungle. You you oh, got the camouflage. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Like you're 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 you're. I guess I should say big boss, right? Again, Naked snake, snake. snake eater, underrated. Snake eater. That's what I was thinking. Those are like some of my favorite like. I want to say early memories in gaming because I was like fairly old at the time, but like the memory of like choosing your outfit to like blend in with the background and like slowly crawling in the forest. Very vivid, very fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that about that game. I feel like that is a, that's one of those mechanics back in the day that was very divisive. You either loved it or you hated it. I think Kevin was one of the people that was like, nah, get away with this. Do away with this. I can't be doing it. It was all just this so much shit. work. It was so much work. You gotta be in there doing all this survival shit. Oh, let me heal my wounds. Come on, man. I'm not trying to That's play the cool shit for realism. That, you know that was mean? the thing that opened my eyes. I, like that because MGS3 is my first Metal Gear. And so when I got in fan. there and they were like, cool, now put on the right camo outfit. You got gotta get the right percentage, gotta get those percentages up. And then you get to a certain point, they're like, cool, you gotta heal all your wounds, go on the menu apply yeah. apply all all the stuff i was like oh shit this is a real video game like that's this is why, real yeah, life right here i gotta learn some medical the shit. next one that's why they kept in the next one huh? <laughs> the next one added well, a bunch of bullshit that we're about to experience <laughs> once again because they're doing the whole Gear solid playthrough thing with barry and mike which i'm very excited about that is starting tomorrow during the extra live stream and i cannot be more excited janet where do you stand in mgs4 because i know you're a Metal Gear solid fan uh, I think I'd have to honestly go back and like replay because I don't remember how much of it I actually played through. My my strongest memories are like the first three because I didn't I don't know if I even did four and I definitely didn't do five. So I've been wanting how to do. How do you do, do a... the first three and Damn, not do dude. four? J Janet, five know. is story's <laughs> not there, but like man, it is tight. Like you, well, like controls are tight. When you say, it's funny because when you say the stories, like I've always loved the. It's like the Metal Gear story is like the best kind of headassery. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I, so nice. it's like it doesn't even need to be mm -hmm. good in a sense. It's just this kind of there. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't really know why I didn't keep up with it. Um, when yeah, when did four come out? Maybe I just was four came out in like two thousand eight. I want to say yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I guess I was oh, so good towards the end of like really intensely gaming because I didn't game as as much in high school, um, mm. or slash like the beginning of college, and then I got kind of back into it, and then I've been like incredibly into it for like a really long time. So yeah, it was kind of like an off an off era i think we gotta I mean, like I, I you gotta like uh tune in or jump in during our mgs4 playthrough then because i janet like mgs4 isn't my favorite metal gear solid game but i i still stand by that every single metal gear solid game is a 10 out of 10 and the thing like they're 10 out of 10s for different so reasons for all of them metal gear solid I'm, 4 is a 10 out of 10 for the same reason that avengers endgame is a 10 out of 10 it is pure I can't believe we're doing this. I can't believe we're here right now. I can't believe everything we've been through have brought, has brought us to this moment where they are capitalizing off of the biggest, uh, like the, the biggest payoffs, the biggest moments, the biggest character returns, all this shit. Barrett, Mike, turn this off. So yeah, you got to jump in. You got to play it, and then you got to play yeah. MGS Five because everybody hates on the story of MGS Five. Which is such a commitment, like plus, realistically, like you don't, know, I don't have time. I'm but not I think I want to like, plus, or at least I want to watch like a. a full I'm not thing go here. Something. Don't go here and like pretend that the game was finished. The game wasn't finished. No, I'm not going. I'm not going to pretend it was. It wasn't finished. It's it was missing a whole last chapter. And I'm also not going to pretend like the story is as good as any of the other stories. But the story wasn't 
terrible. The story still had a lot of really cool things in there. Again, Barrett, Mike, turn the shit off. Uh, the fucking, like, I don't even know where to start with the characters that no, are in it. Barrett's in the school chat. Face. No, he's not doing it. Barrett's There's like no reason. The you don't gotta, you gotta spoil it. Fucking we'll, we'll school face, fucking the man on in. fire. The entire plot of Metal Gear Solid 4. The, 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 the moment where, like, there's like a oh god I, I don't want to say anything but don't, like there's a moment we have to no, solve don't. it's not easy there's You're like doing a, it now there's like a You're virus good. in that game Mel, again good. Barrett Mike turn this shit stop. off just stop just there's stop. like a there's a virus and the way I that like you have to solve the virus situation this, is so cool though. it's always nice to see you come alive blessing I'll I'll I will try to make some time to play it I'm not gonna lie it's hard to prioritize that with everything else going on but you know we're doing it I, it's as soon as they get we'll to MGS5, because I think we're going to take a break after 4 and probably start 5, I imagine, sometime next year. When we get to 5, well, we're, we're doing a PS I Love You hashtag we played this. We're oh doing a full playthrough okay, of 5. Okay, I feel like you, if you have me play all these games from scratch, these big games, like, you got to give me something here. I'm putting in all the legwork. Now, granted, you say argue it's because I didn't do the work before, but I didn't have the job before, so that's a different story. Like, making a lot of sense. Making a lot of you gotta sense. You got to give me yeah. days going. You got to give me something here, Blessing. Like, I'm out here just putting in like hours upon hours just to give this take from like 12 years ago that most people aren't gonna like anyway it's like you know i gotta you gotta meet me halfway you're gonna you're gonna love mgs5 no you're probably gonna love horizon zero dawn maybe I think we'll so see too. about those that are pretty one. good games yeah those are some pretty good games janet we're gonna talk a lot about some really good games and some video video game companies that make some really good decisions sometimes other times not we're gonna talk a lot about nintendo is what i'm saying because today's stories include nintendo improving switch online nintendo working on their next console and more nintendo news because this is kind of funny games daily each and every weekday at 10 a.m live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games we run you through the nerdy news needs to know about if you're watching live you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kind of funny.com slash you're wrong if we don't want to watch live you can watch later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games roosterteeth.com or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily remember you can use epic creator code kind of funny on all epic store and epic in-game purchases like rocket league and fortnite to help support the channel to be a part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you extra life is happening like i said before this saturday that is tomorrow from 11 a.m to 11 p.m that's going to be a bunch of games like mario party and metal gear and a bunch of shenanigans like nick and andy possibly taking sats i don't know if we've nailed that one down yet uh me probably drinking a lot of whiskey and more uh that's going down right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games but you can donate and join the team right now by going to kind of funny.com slash extra life if you yourself want to play video games for an extended amount of time right 12 hours 24 hours six hours however long you feel like you can do it for a good cause that is to support the children's miracle network of hospitals go to kindoffunny.com slash extra life to donate join the team and learn more Thank you to our Patreon producers, Pranksy and Blackjack. Today we're brought to you by Honey, American Giant, and Credit Karma, but we'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is, and forever will be, the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have four stories today. Oh, Baker's Dozen. And Janet, it is a big Nintendo news day, which is why it's only appropriate 
that we have me and you, the current co-hosts of uh, the kind of funny PlayStation podcast, PS Love You XOXO, to break yep. it all down for the people. Because even it's though close. we love PlayStation, we're also some Nintendo fanatics. We love our Nintendo as well. And so, Jen, are you ready? Closer, yes, PlayStation's closer to Nintendo than Xbox is, I think, for some reason, maybe. No, I think, you're, I think that's actually pretty right. You know, I think like, so this is, this is the closest to two Nintendo hosts. We got this. Let's go. Let's go. Let's start with story number one. Nintendo says it's still working on the uh, the concept and launch timing for its next console. This is Tom Ivan at Video Games Chronicle. Nintendo says it's still internally discussing the concept and launch timing for its next gen gaming system. Or let me say, let me re- rephrase that. It's next gaming system. They did not say next gen. In a management briefing following the publication of its latest financial results on Thursday, the company included a slide indicating its plan to release its next gaming system during the 2020s. It's used this slide before in previous presentations. After the briefing, the company commented on its plans for Switch's successor during a Q&A session, which was summarized on Twitter by Japan-based analyst and investment advisor David Gibson. Regarding its next-gen plans, Nintendo reportedly said it is still going through internal discussions on the hardware concept and launch timing, suggesting many significant details have yet to be finished. Additionally, Nintendo reiterated that it believes Switch is still in the, mi- in the middle phase of its life cycle and that it's seeking a sixth year uh, of growth uh, for the platform aided by the new OLED model and a diverse software lineup. Switch launched in March 2017, Switch Lite was released in September 2019, and the Switch OLED model launched in October 2021. Nintendo slated in May that investment in Switch's successor had contributed to a record annual research and development spend at the company. The company has has previously said that making dedicated hardware to play its games on is central, uh, play, play its games on is central to its ability to create unique entertainment experiences. Quote, the hardware and software development teams are in the same building, communicating closely and thinking about how we can propose new forms of entertainment, Nintendo president Shuntaro Furukawa discussed in a Nikkei interview. Quote, in order to create a single piece of hardware, we have to do a lot of preparation several years in advance. So we are working without stopping. In the end, the deciding factor in whether or not to commercialize a product is whether it can create a new experience. End quote. Now, Janet, just before this episode of, of KFGD aired, you pointed out uh, a thing to me in this article that may or may not be a typo or may, may or may not be a mis- misinterpretation. This article mentions that the company slide indicated its plans to release its next gen uh, or sorry, its next gaming system during the 2020s. And you, you mentioned that you would saw that slide and you were like, Hey, like it says 20 XX, which implies 2099, not necessarily that they're going to release it in the 2020s. Regardless, the takeaway from this new story is that they're working on a next, uh, on a next game console, which not really a surprise. Everybody's kind of working on a console, right? Xbox and PlayStation just released their consoles. They're probably working on their consoles. But with that, Janet, what is your takeaway from this story? Um, I feel like it's, it's pretty much what we could assume, but one thing that I think is to me, the most intriguing part is saying that they think that the switch is halfway through its cycle. Um, because then that would mean 2025 as like a rough estimate, which to the typo, not typos point that would still be in the 2020s. And I do think, you know, even if it's 20 XX, like, I don't think it's going to take an entire lifetime for like a ne- another console to come out. I mean, they're already cranking out the skews that I feel like. A pretty solid cadence. Um, I wish I could, and I don't know if you have memory of this offhand, but like how other console manufacturers go about releasing iterative consoles in the last few generations. Cause I feel like the Switch has had quite a bit of support in that regard. Now, granted, their iterations are odd in the sense that they are, you know, like the, the Switch Lite is 
uh in a way a worse version of the switch it just does it does some things better but it's not more powerful or anything and it is cheaper because it has like less to it um which nintendo has like done quite a bit with their additional SKUs. like they have that one wii that has almost like no memory and can't go on the internet i think it's like the red one it was like super super cheap towards the end so they're sort of known for like doing a lot of intensive iterations so it definitely is par for the course but it gives me some sense of where they're moving towards and i guess for me my question ends up being let's say that it's true that it's straight up halfway through we get switch to or whatever they're going to call it the new switch xl double whatever i don't know we get that in 2025 then my question becomes how many more iterations if any will we see like we just we had the light we had the oled we've had a couple like quiet not new SKUs, but like updates they had that one that had like slightly better battery life or whatever so i'm wondering you know what what else can we expect and again we have to ask ourselves about the the fabled switch pro that may or may not exist uh and then of course the question that's on everyone's mind is this going to be a hybrid handheld again or will they go back to a dedicated home console yeah and i think those are all good questions right like i know going going through all that and going through the rigmarole of hey this is like the the state that most console manufacturers are at, like all console manufacturers are kind of always in the state of figuring out what their next move is, even if it is for many companies seven years away or eight years away or Nintendo XX years away, right? I, the takeaway from this news is you look you you read between the lines. They are still going through the internal discussions on the hardware concept and launch timing, so that is big, right? They are still working that uh, working that through and figuring out. Hey, like <clears throat> even we don't know if it's going to be a hybrid console. We don't know if it's going to be a handheld console. We don't know if we're going back to having a 3DS and a core console type situation where it is a hand and one handheld and one one core console. I'd be surprised if they went back to that. But it seems like right now anything is on the table. And yes, them reiterating that uh, the Switch is still in the middle middle phase of its life cycle, which you know could be many things right like it could I, it could be that that we're exactly halfway through it could be that we're a little bit more than halfway through i think in terms of the averages uh, of how long a life cycle lasts for a console we're talking around six seven years depending on what the console is we're the switch launched in 2017 we're now in 2021 and so like theoretically you could estimate that as we're in the smack middle of this console and we maybe have three years left but when you take this this uh, uh, news right here and couple it with yesterday's news of the Switch sales and how the Switch is still selling astronomically, you look at that and go, how far off are we from the next console? And how much longer is this life cycle going to be compared to the average um, uh, console life cycle? Because you don't look at those incredible sales that you have for your platform and go, cool, now let's cut this off at seven years, even though we still have a lot of potential in this thing. You know, like we mentioned the the original Switch, you mentioned the Switch, uh, um, the Switch Lite, and then the Switch OLED. If these things are still adding in uh, uh, enough of like a, a one-upping of sales on on each other, then yeah, you look at the, at the fabled Pro Switch, right? The Switch Pro and go, all right, so like if that launches, let's say a year from now or two years from now, does that continue to push off a next-gen Nintendo console? And I'll say that the answer is probably yes. Yeah, I think, too, something that's interesting, and it's so odd because Nintendo very much is playing their own game. Um, and again, I think inherently in some ways, all the big three are competing with each other, but Nintendo's done the strongest zag where it's a little bit harder to make the argument that they're competing because they're like are we because we don't have any of the the hardware power that everyone else is sort of chasing i think it's very clear that they're doing their own thing but that being said i wonder how much if any does the 
other consoles timeline maybe influence like what the next proper console skew will be because they i feel like they have the time to take too because personally i i felt like with the switch that was nintendo's next gen they were just jumping they're like we're just gonna abandon ship and we're just going on to the new thing and here we go so i think it makes sense to like if they're willing to ditch something that isn't working i think they might also be willing to keep something that is and i feel like there's a little bit less of a rush because playstation and xbox just barely got their new SKUs out and they kind of like not obviously not caught up to the switch because they're way more powerful but now we're all like okay we don't have the things the ps4 era consoles that we have we no longer have now we mm. can like piece apart the fact that the again nintendo like ditched the wii u early because it wasn't working out but that's the decision they made so i feel like they have a little bit more time to expend for that reason because they're not exactly moving with everybody else anyway so they can kind of do their own timeline and even if they're late they would be back on time with everybody else yeah i agree i also think it's a bit double-edged in the way that nintendo yeah doesn't have to go with the flow in terms of what the other guys are doing the reason why people buy nintendo hardware is so that they can play nintendo games i will say though that now that we have the PS5 and Xbox Series X, the more the more I play those consoles and then switch back, no pun intended, to playing my Switch, I go, oh man, I wish that these games look better, right? Like the coming gap off is of, astronomical. Yeah, the gap is is getting pretty intense now, especially when you want to talk about third party games that are appearing on the other consoles again people aren't necessarily buying the switch for third party games but i think as you go you're going to lose a lot of third party support for the switch because ubisoft isn't going to look at riders republic and go cool now how do we make this run on the switch when their focus is making that game look great on the ps5 and xbox series x right guardians of the galaxy for uh the guardians of the galaxy was just released on next gen uh in previous gen they don't want like Square Enix doesn't want to look back at the Switch and go now. How do we make this work on this con on this console? I'm sure that can still happen in certain instances, especially with cross-gen games. But that is a lot. That is a lot of work to make that happen, right? Video game development is hard, and to make things scale that dramatically gets difficult when the ceiling has become the next-gen consoles along with with uh, uh, really high-end PCs. That becomes a really difficult thing to scale. So I think you start to lose out on that for a while, and you start to have just the general audience go, oh man, you know, like I, I'm having fun playing X, Y, and Z game on Switch, but it th there becomes less of, less of, of a reason for me to want to play it here versus play a similar sort of experience on next on next gen. It's become more 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 and more of a complaint for me. Where I'll, I last year, late last year, I started playing um, uh, the Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, um, what was the, what's the game called? Hyrule Warriors. Hyrule Warriors. Okay. Where. I was looking forward to High Rule Warriors a lot, uh, mainly because of the Zelda Breath of the Wild aspect, right? And that game came out around the same exact time as next gen stuff. And so I was playing that game at the same time I was playing stuff like Spider-Man Miles Morales, and I was getting a look at things like Demon's Souls, and I was playing The Pathless. And these were games that ha that ran on their fidelity modes, and more importantly for me, the performance modes that made those games run super smooth. And playing, playing those games at the same time as playing the new Hyrule Warriors game made me look at Hyrule Warriors and go, oh, this looks this looks ugly. Like, this does not look great. And that doesn't take that doesn't always take away from the gameplay, right? Like, I'm, I, I'm coming to, to the Switch to get games that play good, that are fun, and all these things. But I'd be lying if I was like, yeah, this doesn't, this, this isn't it taking away from the experience. I think there's an element of technicality that you want from any of your games. Uh, even the games that do go hard in art style, I think when you, you're playing those games and the frame rate sucks or the resolution isn't there compared to the other games that you're playing in your regular time, that leaves something to, to be desired.
I mean, the fact of the matter is, like, we have to, like, as Nintendo fans, especially if you have other platforms, because obviously if you only have a Switch, it's like, well, you have no choice. This is the only thing that you can play on. But the fact that we have to literally always ask, but how does it run on Switch when there's a game that's released for all three or, you know, two of the three or whatever have you, or PC and Switch, you pretty much always have to ask. There's a few exceptions. You know, I know Unpacking is getting a lot of hype. Uh, a lot of people here really like that game. Uh, I think you said it was Roger's Game of the Year. Mm. I, I'm not too worried about that game because it's it's. I feel pretty confident in something like that. But pretty much every other game, I feel like I have to ask. And when the Switch first dropped and everything was going down, I think, again, you're, you're really right. Next Gen from the other side of things really did sway me a bit um just because it is improving and it's only going to get better and the gap is just going to become like so big that i don't know if they're ever going to be able to really bridge it because they don't want to bridge it they have the money to bridge it they can do whatever they want but they clearly have never cared about building really powerful hardware like that but i'm at the point where you know back when switch first came out i'm like i'll get everything on switch if i can i don't even care i'll buy it again on switch i'll pay the switch tax i don't care if it doesn't look as good and now I'm like, you know what? I've done that for a while. I'm tired. I don't want to do that anymore. So like I put out a tweet the other day that was like, hey, I, you know, I want to get the Spyro Reignite trilogy. And I'm like, what's it like on Switch? Uh, and, and Kebabs from, you know, the community was like, here are the two screenshots. I'll let you be the judge. And it was the gap. It was so clear which one was the Switch version and which one was the PlayStation 4 version. Mm. And for a game like like the fact that a game like that, I have to ask and then also be disappointed that it doesn't run or look as good on the Switch like. It's honestly kind of ridiculous. And I don't know, it does make me a little bit worried about what the future of things looks like, um, because I would love like I love the Switch as a, as a concept and I, I would like to play more stuff on it. But one, there's not always stuff on there. And two, the stuff that is on there is usually really poorly done compared to the other ones. Uh, at the end of the day, does it matter because they have Mario? I guess not, but mm, it's not a great feeling. <laughs> Yeah, and it, I mean, this conversation is the reason I look at this this specific part of the article uh, where they mentioned that Nintendo stated back in May that in investment in Switch's successor had contributed to a record annual research and development spend at the company, right? They're spending a lot of money trying to figure out what their next move is in the console space. And I think part of that is trying to solve this problem. That, that is me completely theorizing with my tinfoil hat on that, oh, they probably see all the things that we're seeing and trying to figure out what does this switch Two look like or whatever the super switch or nintendo's next console maybe it's not called the switch but i imagine it's a hybrid console and what does that look like in terms of something that is technological and that is going to be able to keep up in some regard especially when you have something like the steam deck coming out you know i know again when we talk about nintendo and we talk about the switch and we talk about why the switch is successful answer number one is the nintendo games it is animal crossing it is the pokemons it is the marios it is the mario karts those are the games that keep the Switch selling and afloat and keep it being the one, one of the fastest selling platforms of all time. I think the, 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 the thing you have to, the thing for Nintendo is that, that I don't think you can rest on your laurels 100%. I think for Nintendo, that is their 70%. You know, I think the 30% does have to be third party in indies. And when the Steam Deck comes out, I think that will start to eat into that just a little bit because I think the Steam Deck will have to work on branding and marketing and all these things that Nintendo already has down, right? Nintendo has that stuff on lock. You know, you know the gaming space is, is hard to outmarket Nintendo right now because they're literally Nintendo. My mom calls, still calls whatever console, console in Nintendo. But on a technical, just a purely technical level, I'm excited for the Steam Deck because that, is, that means I'm going to be able, be able to play so many games handheld that I wouldn't have been able to play before or at least like in, in in an ease of access kind of way i'm sure right now i can find some sort of handheld way to play whatever pc game but having it be the steam deck puts on another level of oh this is going to make it way easy easy for me to do this thing i think that is going to speak to a bit of that audience who is playing i guess the hardcore audience that is playing the switch 
for the Switch games, but then also these third-party uh, the indie stuff. I think the Steam Deck is going to speak to that audience. And I think with that coming out, and just with all the other offerings coming out around the console space outside of the Switch, you got to keep up. You got to find a way to, to keep up. And I think that is going to come in the form of a Switch Pro. And I think more importantly, that's going to come with a big step uh, in the form of a next-gen Nintendo hardware. Yep. But Janet, I want to keep on this Nintendo train because, again, we have a lot of Nintendo news stories. And it's all coming from the same source because they had their uh, annual report. And so let's jump into story number two. Nintendo promises to improve and expand the Switch online service. This is Jared Moore at IGN. Nintendo has said that it'll continue to improve and expand on its Switch Online service, as well as its recently released premium expansion pack, possibly in response to the poor reception to its pricing in recent additions. As part of its latest corporate management briefing, Nintendo has stated that it will, quote, continue to improve and expand both Nintendo Switch Online and Nintendo Switch Online Plus expansion pack in order to provide services that satisfy its fan base. The pledge to improve comes shortly after the company experienced a rocky start to the launch of its premium expansion pack subscription service. The service, which launched last month, adds a new membership tier to Nintendo Switch Online that gives players access to an expanding catalog of N64 and Sega Mega Drive games, as well as paid DLC currently in the form of Animal Crossing New Horizons Happy Home Paradise Pack. Despite taking some criticism over the launch of the premium tier subscription service, elsewhere in the briefing, Nintendo announced that it has seen an overall increase in the numbers of players, players subscribed to Nintendo Switch Online this past year. The publisher stated that the number of players accessing its online services has now exceeded 32 million, a figure up, to, a figure up 6 million from this time last year. Janet, does that surprise you? And how do you feel about Nintendo saying that they're going to improve things on this? It lightly surprises me that the subscriptions have gone up. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure what to make of that. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily think, especially if they are turning this report around, I don't think that's representative of the expansion pack work specifically, you know, whether positively or negatively, that kind of probably came in from before. Yeah, I'm not really sure because there's not there hasn't really been maybe I'm I'm trying to think of a game that would be driving that. Um, if you can think think of one, feel free to chime in. I know we had, you know, Mario I mean, Party I dropped again. I was gonna but... say I think Mario I, I think Mario Party plus Super Mario Party, um, specifically Super Mario Party adding online. Uh, that was this year, right? The online was this year, yeah. yeah. And the game uh, launched, well, like a couple years ago at this point. And I think with that, with, combined with the pandemic, that probably boosted a lot of interest in Mario Party, uh, Super Mario Party. Uh, they talked about it a little bit yesterday with, in terms of sales. And Super Mario Party has sold a lot of copies, way more copies than I would have assumed Mario Party would have sold. Yeah, I'm not going to front. I'm probably going to buy Animal Crossing. Party at some point. Yeah, and then there's also always people... There's always someone jumping in new to Animal Crossing, and even though that game, the multiplayer leaves a lot to be desired, there's still online things to do in that game, even if you're not doing the multiplayer. So, you know, accessing, like, the design kiosk on the internet requires being online. So I guess it doesn't totally shock me, but if they said this was, like, a decrease, that also wouldn't have... Because then we could just be like, oh, well, the pandemic, you know, the vaccine's rolling out or something like that. So I feel like... It's not too shocking either way. Um, as far as improving, um, I mean, I'm glad that they have plans to continue to expand specifically because as far as improvements, I mean, I think we can already imagine what, what that could be. I don't know if that's what that would be in terms of connectivity, um, improving the online matchmaking in most games that they have is really convoluted. Um, the fact that like, and you always kind of have to ask like, oh, how do I set this up when you're playing any online game for the first time? But with Nintendo, there's always like a lot of layers going on and the lag's really rough um, online. Even sometimes if you're hardwired in, the lag can be really rough. 
So I hope that's what they mean by improvements. And yeah, for expansion, you know, I would just want more content. Uh, I've said before, I've been very critical of the expansion pack. I'm not interested in it. I'm not buying it. The only way I would have it is if, again, for content, someone gives me it because they want me to do something with like the Sega Genesis games or something. And then that's fine because that's part of the job. Um, but there is a world where I would get it if they make it enticing enough. Now, I don't know what that would mean for me offhand. And as someone that, you know, you did buy the expansion pack. So I'd love to know what what you want more from it as someone that already bought in. Um, but I'm not sure what would get me to buy in. I feel like it'd have to kind of be a lot because it is a, a significant price jump. And I just bought the DLC for Animal Crossing and I used my gold points or whatever color the coin is. And I only paid like 12 bucks for it once I cashed in all my points. So that mm. was easier to me. That one-time expense was easier than buying into an entire service indefinitely. Yeah, I think Gary would, uh, I, I think, gave the, the the perfect use case on why the expansion pack works for him because he is on the family plan and he's he has a family of people who all play animal crossing and so for him looking at the expansion pack it was actually a really great deal for him because he wanted to get his whole family the 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 dlc and i mean me, me and tim had a conversation about this as well because we were talking about the value and we were talking about the buying into the family plan versus the singular plan and all these things and how like i do this the singular plan and i'm paying 50 bucks which again i think is astronomical ridiculous for for all this and my main my main issue is that it comes back to the conversation I think we originally had about this, which is it feels like they have a mystery fruit basket. It feels like a loot box worth of benefits where it's, where it's cool. We got you uh, for the for regular Switch Online, right? You're getting access to playing your games online and you're getting access to NES games and Super NES games. And then sometimes we'll throw a Tetris 99 in there randomly. Maybe sometimes we'll, we'll throw a Super Mario 35. And then for the expansion pack, they're like, uh, okay, now let's give them, I don't know, man, N64. Let's, hey, Sega says they're down to give us the Genesis. Cool. Let's throw that in there. And then what else we got? Animal Crossing DLC. Cool. Throw that in there. That seems that that seems worth it. And for me, as somebody who doesn't play Animal Crossing, and for me as somebody who's not as interested in the in the Sega Genesis slate, I look at the N64 stuff and I'm like, I really want access to that. And so I'm gonna pay for that. But even that, I'm like, you know, not everybody's gonna want to play every single N64 game. And I think a lot of the Switch expansion pack stuff comes with the idea of. The people who are going to who are going to buy into this are going to take advantage of the full benefits, but I don't think that is the case with most subscription services or at least like platform services in this way. I don't watch every single Netflix show, right? I don't watch everything on Disney Plus. I don't for in, in my cable package. I don't watch every single channel. I pick and choose my choose the things, and so depending on who you are, it might be of good value to you versus somebody else who looks at it and goes, "This is bullshit." Gary Witta, this is a perfect value to Gary Witta. Me. This is like a, a little bit value to me. Like I'm over, I'm definitely overpaying for it. Um, but I, I, I think it's it's definitely a teach their own thing. But when you look at the numbers of six million up from this time last year, I think that makes a lot of sense, just given the fact that they've sold a lot more switches in the last year. And with with switch sales, a percentage of those people are naturally going to buy in to Nintendo Nintendo Switch Online. I think that combined with the recent years of software that support Nintendo Switch Online, or the games that you want to play online at least, right? You got Animal Crossing, which is going to sell alongside a lot of Switches this last year. You have um, uh, uh, Super Mario Party, like we had mentioned. You have things like um, uh, the Super Mario 3D All- or not 3D All-Stars, the other 3D game. Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's, Bowser's Fury. Fury yeah. That supports online. I think there's enough there that makes this 6 million number make sense. And if it, if it dipped, I'd be like, okay, there's a problem. They got to do something because... You know, I, I I think with something like this, the numbers should only go up. Uh, and so the six million makes sense to me there. But yeah, like I, I definitely, there's definitely, in, in terms of what you mentioned before, right? Like the stuff that I would want added to the service. I look at the leaked N64 document of games that seeming, seeming 
immediately are coming to the service and i'm like cool once all those games are out that's gonna make it worth it for me that's gonna be a huge step into making this something that makes sense for me i would also like to see i guess just more benefits in general that feel consistent uh and not just randomly thrown in right like what if there was I, like, what if they added a GameCube in there, right? I think that would add in a, a lot more value. There is the rumored Game Boy Color stuff, and I think that would make sense to to add a lot more value. Maybe if there was more DLC, maybe they ha- maybe if they had a Mario Party um, like long term like season pass that you get through the expansion pack. I think that would make a little bit more sense combining that with the Animal Crossing thing. But right now, I do think it's kind of a weird amalgamation of different benefits yeah like just to you know we could talk about this for a while but just to like add in um i feel like much like you i want a plan i feel like this was just (laughs) rolled out and they're like yeah and at first you could kind of like make your own you know perception of it where i feel like it was very clear at the beginning that this is like retro stuff okay i guess like when's it they're like when are we getting more they're like i don't know and then it's like that's kind of weird but all right and then with this uh the dlc it really just throws like not a negative wrench necessarily because there is value there, you know, mentioning like Gary's situation and many others. Like there's plenty of people that play, you know, Animal Crossing is so huge. That I think that's definitely one of the reasons that they put that in there um, because someone can look and say, oh, well, I can just get this and I'll have the DLC instead of buying it. And mathematically, it is cheaper in some regards, depending on there's many some mathematical scenarios where it is cheaper to do that than even buying the DLC if you're already paying for online anyway and you have a family plan, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I just want a, a theme. Like it's just yes. been like random retro games, but also some, sometimes we make new games that aren't those games, but they're kind of old in their own way, like sort of. Um, and then also we have DLC and then also Sega Genesis. And it was like, our yeah, I, I wish it's very I think random. I, and I know we compare everything to Game Pass, but that is because Game Pass has kind of set the standard. But Game Pass has the benefit of going every first party Xbox game is coming to the service. If Nintendo could come out and say, for all of our first party games, you can get the DLC with the expansion pack. The expansion pack pays for all your DLC for our first party Nintendo stuff. One, I'd be like, okay, but like, you, what are your DLC is in, in, inconsistent. But regardless, that is a thing you can say that makes me understand it and go, okay, this makes sense. Like, that is a benefit. Like, that is, I know what the future looks like uh, for this thing, you know, but yeah. like, they don't have that. I think that would be a cool option, even though, again, I'm really not a DLC person. Like, the Animal Crossing DLC is the first DLC I'll be playing since I honestly don't even fully remember. I know I've played at least like one other DLC recently, but I can't remember what it is. I'm just not a big DLC person. Um, but I think that's still, at least mathematically, there's value there. And then I don't have to think about it. Like, I probably would have, I would play the Splatoon, I would have played the Splatoon 2 DLC if I had it baked in. I just didn't feel like buying it and going back in for that reason. Um, I think something like that would be cool. And funny enough, which I know some people might get upset, like, you're always criticizing PlayStation now, and now you want like Nintendo to do that. I think Nintendo... Again, they have such a powerhouse of nostalgia and not just nostalgia, but a lot of those games straight up good. That's the thing. Everyone has nostalgia who has quality from that nostalgia. Not many. It's very hard to do for many reasons. But there are so many old Nintendo games that still Dude, like hold Star up Fox design wise today. is a fantastic playing game today. Like, it is yeah, really, like I'm going back to it. I'm like, this is really fun still. So I want like oddly enough, like I think a little bit, but then. Even PS Now is a little bit weird because it's like old stuff, but then sometimes it's like new stuff, but like very, very old or like Last of Us 2 is here and that's kind of random. But Mm. I think looking a little bit at what they're doing and investing in that back catalog, because even though it's kind of BS that we don't have virtual console again, obviously that ship has sailed, so it's time to let it go. I'll just at least pay to rent all of those games. Like if we had the kind of expanse, like that, I think that would be that that would get me in. If they had like any form of that kind of expansiveness where they have like 
okay, we have, we're redoing it. We have X amount of games from each like console or this is the rollout where we're adding at this cadence monthly, this thing, we're gonna, you know, agree to put out, you know, X number of just new, like fun random games, like the Tetris 99s of that. And then we have the first part, like that would be, I think immense value if they did any form of that, even if it's not the entirety of the back catalog. But again, I want to plan and I want a consistent cadence. It is, you have these, like, it's like the fact that there's not, they'll randomly drop like four or five and not just consistently put out even just one a month. Like, I just, it's so odd that you can, you're paying for something and you have no idea what you're paying for. Yeah. And I think that's kind of weird. It's like throwing money into a mystery box almost. Yeah. Um, but not like a fun one, like the Smash Ultimate thing where they're like, you can buy them individually or like, because that you knew what it was. It was fighters. Who's going to be? That's part of the fun. Yeah, exactly. This is like. What is it? Is it a really good N64 game? Or is it like one I've never heard of because no one cares about this? Hey, every N64 game is a good N64. Well, I'm not going to say that. That's, mm. that's, that's me. That's me joking. That's me being like, I love the N64. But <laughs> I do, I definitely feel where you're coming from. Uh, but let, let me tell you about where you can get some value, Janet. If the N64 online stuff or the expansion pack is enough value for you. Let me tell you about Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Where you can go to get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you about our sponsors. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Honey. It's time to start thinking about what you're going to get your friends and family for the holidays. And don't be stingy this year. That's okay. I have a little magic that'll bring some extra cheer this year. It's a little thing called Honey. Honey is your personal online shopping assistant. It scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. And Honey supports over 30,000 stores online. So imagine you're shopping at your favorite site, right? When you go to checkout, the Honey button will drop down and all you have to do is click apply coupons. Then sit back and kick your feet up while Honey searches for coupons. If it finds one, you'll watch the price drop uh, we love honey very much here kevin uses it for everything that we buy here for kind of funny because we like deals and we like to save money and you should too if you don't already have honey you could be straight up missing out on free savings it's literally free installs in a few seconds and by getting it you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this podcast we'd never recommend something we don't use here at kind of funny so go over and get honey for free at joinhoney.com games that's joinhoney.com games we're also brought to you by American Giant. Let's be honest, since we're all thinking about it, buying gifts during the holiday season is stressful. It's all about tearing your hair out, trying to find the perfect gift, spending a boatload of money, keeping secrets from your loved ones, and resisting the temptation of the classic gift card cop-out. But there's one thing that everyone loves, a good hoodie, especially now when stylish comfort is essential. So get everyone on your list, and maybe even yourself, a classic full zip hoodie from American Giant. Uh, Gia loves her hoodie, she swears by it. Tim's used American Giant hoodies, he loves the quality of them. You should too. Uh, American Giant is about the journey, not just the destination. They're obsessed with the details from start to finish, so they use the best quality materials and support local manufacturers and workers. Slate called their hoodies the greatest hoodie ever made, so find out why. Explore American Giant's collection of durable essentials at American-Giant.com. And you can get 20% off when you use code KFGD at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com, promo code KFGD. We're also brought to you by Credit Karma. If you've ever felt overwhelmed when it comes to handling your personal finances, you're not alone. And Credit Karma is here to help you make those big calls with more confidence. Whether you're refinancing credit card debt or paying for an upcoming expense, Credit Karma uses your credit data to show you fresh 
personal loan offers that are personalized just for you. It's totally free and easy to sign up for a Credit Karma account with no effect on your credit score. Credit Karma will even show you your approval odds so you can choose offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. On Credit Karma, you can check out multiple loan offers side by side with easy to compare estimate terms to make sure you get the best deal. And once you've got a loan, Credit Karma will help you track your progress as you pay off your debt and even let you know if you can refinance and save. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers with your approval odds right now. Go to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. Story number three, let's continue on talking about Nintendo. Nintendo isn't ruling out acquiring companies, but will prioritize investing in its existing studios. This is Jared Moore at IGN. Nintendo has said that it won't rule out acquiring new companies in the future, but has stated that it is currently prioritizing investment in existing studios. As part of a recently published company management briefing, the one we've been talking about this whole episode, Nintendo spoke about its investment strategies going forward and how it'll look to spend in the future. The publisher noted that due to the success of the Nintendo Switch exceeding its expectations across the last few years, it has been left in a position where it's able to, quote, reconsider how to most effectively utilize its cash in a variety of strategic in meaningful ways, end quote. With money to invest, the company says uh, that its mid to long-term plan revolves around two broad areas, building software assets and developing ways to, uh, to expand its relationships with com- consumers. Where those software assets include games, Nintendo has stated that its, quote, first priority is to organically expand its own organization to continue Nintendo's creative culture, end quote. Despite a focus on developing its pre-existing studios, the publisher didn't fully rule out the possibility of purchasing further companies in the future, explaining that it was, quote, not dismissing the possibility of merger and acquisition, end quote. While rival publishers, such as Sony, have been increasingly active when it comes to buying up various smaller studios across the industry, Nintendo has opted to stay far more reserved in its approach. The company's most notable acquisition of late came back in January, where it announced that it had purchased Luigi's Mansion 3 developer Next Level Games. A working relationship between Nintendo and Next Level Games spans back to 2005, where they worked together to release Super Mario Strikers for the GameCube. Since then, Next Level Games has developed a number of further games for Nintendo consoles, including the likes of Punch-Out for the Nintendo Wii and Metroid Prime Federation Force for the Nintendo 3DS. Janet, do you do you foresee Nintendo going bigger in terms of their acquisitions? No, probably not, because I think that's kind of what they're saying here, where they're like, yeah, we're not really looking to do that, but like we're not totally not looking to do that, just to kind of leave the door open for one, things like Next Level, and two... Um, I think it's just kind of good business to not make a super declarative statement like that because I'm sure they will do some acquisitions, but not at the level of of competitors. And it's funny because I never really thought about um, until now the fact that Nintendo doesn't really acquire people because yeah, that's never the conversation. It's never like who should a Nintendo acquire next? It's like next they have they like don't acquire anybody. Yeah, I, think, um, I think you hit it when you say it's not a declarative statement because we've we've gotten a declarative statement from folks like Xbox who repeatedly are like, yo, we're out here acquiring people. We're acquiring Bethesda. We're acquiring Double Fine. We're acquiring whoever wants to be acquired. We're out here picking up studios. And PlayStation, I don't think they've had like a declarative statement, but it's very clear that they're of that same mindset too. Maybe to like a tiny bit of a lesser extent than Xbox, but you do have them acquiring studios that make sense, right? They acquired Insomniac, which I think is similar to the Next Level Games thing here, where Next Level Games is making games for Nintendo for 16 years, essentially. And finally, Nintendo's like, ah, maybe we should put a ring on it. You know, these guys put out 
Met Metroid Federation Federation Force. Let's acquire them as an apology, uh, and that's a joke. I'm sure they're not. Do I'm sure that's not the methodology behind it. But you know, it's that it's that thing of yeah, like they're they're not as active um, about it. And I think it's it's part of like that hunger that Xbox has versus Nintendo being like, our approach has been working. Let's take things slow and kind of feel things out. Well, I think the thing is, it's not even. I I wouldn't personally categorize it as aggression aggression in terms of like marketing or business. I think that. Xbox needs to do acquisitions and because they also like their their biggest con is lack of first party stuff and lack of exclusive stuff. Um, and, you know, they obviously put out still exclusives like they, you know, just had Forza Horizon. Like that's really big. That's getting really good reviews. So like they don't have it. But when we think of what Xbox does best, right, what is the conversation? It's Game Pass versus exclusives. And guess who doesn't guess which one Xbox is, right? It's not the exclusives one. Uh, and then PlayStation, it makes sense because it's remaining competitive with the thing that they do best. Um, and again, they have more going for them than just their exclusives, you know, in terms of like hardware or like, you mm -hmm. know, culture and all these other things that they do. But that's what we know them as succeeding at. So it's like, okay, if you want to keep doing that, you're going to keep the in-house stuff going. You're going to bring in people that you already have. You're going to expand a PC to try, you know, that's, that's very much their move, trying to get people to buy the box that they sell. Um, Nintendo is like, you know, Blessing already said it. People want Mario. We're going to keep working on making good Mario games, making like good other like in-house like IPs that we have. And occasionally there are those other acquisitions, but they, Unlike a lot of other companies, they have like such incredibly long standing IPs that have not gotten stale. Again, very impressive that they're able to do that. The fact that Donkey Kong is still good, like mm. that's 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 insane. Like, you know, you don't even have to look at like Mario specifically, which is another like amazing example of that. But yeah, they they have with so many. And again, I'm not trying to like kiss Nintendo's ass because I think they do have plenty of plenty of room for growth. I mean, we just talked about our last new story, right? Plenty of news yeah. or plenty of room. Exactly. But like they have so much of what other companies are striving to have, like to have an IP that's such a powerhouse for so long that has so many great games. Again, not to say that every single Mario game or every single Dragon game is, is is incredible or anything, but so many of them are still fresh and innovative. And it, they have like and they have so so much in that front. Um, if anything, you know, I think one of the criticisms is is a little bit of them maybe not branching out a bit more. But I think them doubling down on the thing they do best totally makes sense. And I'm down for it because what are Nintendo fans mostly asking for? When are we going to receive this IP that we already know that we love more so than I think new stuff, even though I love new stuff and Splatoon's awesome. Yeah, I think in the business of Nintendo with where they're at in the Switch, again, the Switch is a record-selling, like, a fast-selling console. They have, like, what, I've, I forget the exact number. I think it was 93 million, kind of funny.com, slash you're wrong. With that, and that combined with the attachment rate that we've seen, looking at how uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has sold, like, 30 million-something units, right? Looking at, at how well Animal Crossing is selling, I think Nintendo looks at that and goes, what is our next move? And I, I, could, I could easily see that move being, cool, let's find... The studios that make sense to continually make our IPs like hit that level of success, right? Like we don't have we don't have a like Star Fox, for example, is one that we're kind of sitting on. The last Star Fox game didn't hit the way we wanted it to hit. Cool. Let's let let's let's focus on the IPs that work. And maybe now that now that the IPs that work are hitting that level, let's revisit stuff and try to make it work. What if we did have a new studio or a different studio work on Star Fox and try and make that work, right? Like what if we had a, a different studio work on earthbound or some shit or even if it is like another spinoff mario game i think there's a lot of there's a lot of room for how nintendo operates um especially when we talk about the way that they treat mario the way that they treat their top franchises as hey like not only are you going to get a mario like a 3d mario you're going to get a 2d mario you're going to get a mario party you're going to get a mario kart 
what if we had that same thing with like Zelda, right? Or what if we had that same thing with a, a Donkey Kong? What if we did go for a 3D Donkey Kong game or some shit? Which is like, I, I believe that was the word we were talking about around E3. I think that could work. And, you know, looking at the um, the statement in the article of we're developing ways to expand um, or they're developing ways to expand their relationship with consumers. And then also talking about how uh, uh, the first priority is to organically expand our own organization to continue Nintendo's creative culture. I do think that does speak to uh, uh, acquisition and expanding like the amount of studios that you work with. But I think I still think that it's not going to be compared to what PlayStation and Xbox do. I think Nintendo is very, very conservative with how they operate and very conservative with how they treat their own IP that they're not just, they're not just going to let anybody in. I think they're going to continue to work with the, the d- developers and studios that they work with regularly. And the ones that stick or the ones that they grow with and understand, eventually they, they then acquire. Um, and so I, I think you're going to see a lot more situations like how PlayStation did with Insomniac, where Insomniac has been working with PlayStation, PlayStation for a while and then acquired them. I think you're going to see a lot of that with Nintendo as well. I think ne- the next level games thing speaks to that, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was more stuff like that as opposed to, hey, we acquired fucking the Celeste developer <laughs> out of nowhere, right? Or we acquired random indie studio. I don't necessarily think that's Nintendo, but uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm totally down with them acquiring new studios because I want to see more Nintendo games. I think, I, I, like, I, I think there's a lot of room for them putting out more games in a single year because i think the one uh one of the things that i could say about nintendo in terms of their software output is there there sometimes are those lulls i think last year with animal crossing was a big one where animal crossing was the big game in spring 2020 and then we got things like paper mario in the summer and then we got hyrule warriors later in the fall and like some other games here and there but it wasn't really a heavy nintendo year i think you want to fill that out a bit more yeah Janet, let's round out the Roper Report with story number four. Uh, a break from Nintendo, Forza Horizon 5 will add an on-screen sign language interpreter. And I think this is really cool. This is from Adam Bankhurst at IGN. And Kevin, I have a video that you can pull up as I go through um, that is at the top of the article in the doc. Forza Horizon 5 contains a lot of wonderful accessibility features to help make the game as inclusive as possible. And a post-launch update will add another great one, an on-screen sign language interpreter that will sign either American Sign Language or British Sign, sign Language during the game's cinematic or during the game's cinematics. As detailed in an Xbox Wire blog post and in an accompanying video about Forza Horizon 5's accessibility features, the interpreter will appear in a picture-in-picture display near the bottom of the screen, and either ASL or BSL can be chosen depending on the player's preference. Kevin's showing it uh, uh, right here. You gotta, uh, you will have to scroll a bit toward the end. It should be one of those links that should have taken you right to the thing, but maybe not. Um, but seeing it happen visually is really cool because you just see like a person pop up like in like the bottom of the screen and they're signing to you. And I think that is a really cool. And yeah, here it is. It's really cool. It feels like such an extra step in terms of making good accessibility. I've not seen anything like this before in a video game. Yeah, I don't think I have either. I'd be curious to know like if anyone in, in chat or just even like after the show airs, if, if this has been done before, especially like in the AAA space. But yeah, I think that's really cool. It's not something that you know, I would have thought to even have done, which I think, you know, speaks to the fact that a lot of times with accessibility stuff, you have really have to do the research and think about it from so many angles and so many different people's experiences that are outside of your own in a lot of cases. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is awesome. I really like what Microsoft is doing with their accessibility stuff. Um, and I like all their breakdowns on the the blog after the fact. You know, I know PlayStation has kind of like 
the blog in the business that like stories always come from but xbox has a lot of really fun transparency stuff there too and like i know a few months back they did like a big post on a bunch of accessibility features and things and mm -hmm. it seems to be like a, a real push for them to have that information be accessible um and obviously other companies have done big stuff in that front too you know playstation with like the last of us 2 and stuff like that and and trying to like standardize some of the in-house stuff when it comes to accessibility um but yeah this is really cool and you know hopefully more of this kind of stuff's available especially at launch um it does i do know a lot of people are like it kind of sucks when there are features of accessibility that are added after the fact and not like right up front because you know unlike content stuff it's a lot more important to have those in the beginning because that's when people like are going to be playing these games and deciding whether or not they can play these games but you know um better late than never though never late is always better yeah it, oh my god i, I love that you use use that quote that's like the that's the, did you get that from drake or did you get that from when i used it like a year and a half ago on podcast no I I, that did you use, that's so funny I, yeah, um, I used no, it a while ago i'm sure it's just like an idiom but my brother would say that sometimes so that's that's where i remember it from that's but awesome. uh no that's hilarious yeah it's a great great line yeah um but yeah like forts i think forts horizon is such a great one when it comes to its accessibility that's one that that that's one of the things i forgot to mention during the review that i wish i mentioned and that i wanted to mention but just slipped my mind is like when you first boot up the game the the cus the customization even outside of like the accessibility menu the character creator in that game is great for a game where you're never seeing your character <laughs> like the character creator is awesome uh big shout out to the hairstyles because hairstyles is the thing i complain about all the time in video games because oftentimes hair black hairstyles are boiled down to either you're bald have a buzz cut or you have cornrows and the thing i always i, I always tweet every single time i'm like who is this black man with cornrows that every single game developer apparently knows? Because those are the only three hairstyles you're going to find. Or a big fro, like a big unruly fro, essentially. Uh, and Forza Horizon goes the extra mile, it, no, no pun intended, when it comes to the hairstyles. Like the, 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 the black hairstyles in that game are fantastic. The character models in that game are fantastic. And regarding accessibility, they have options uh, for prosthetic arms, whether it's right arm, left arm, uh, uh, prosthetic legs, uh, different styles of prosthetics. I was very surprised and very impressed to see the, the how far they went in terms of implementing that stuff in a way to, to be inclusive. And I think that is awesome. And I think, again, Microsoft is knocking it out the park when it comes to that stuff. And so I hope, I hope like when it comes to awards and when it comes to awareness, all that, all that stuff, I hope like Forza Horizon gets its flowers because yeah, like that game goes above and beyond in terms of actually being inclusive and actually including really good accessibility. And also I recommend while we're here, go check out Steve Saylor has an accessibility review for Forza Horizon. Uh, go check it out because uh, Steve Saylor is someone that plenty of people know, of course, like he's been on plenty of kind of funny content. He does the good work. He does amazing work. He does like he like he 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 reviews stuff specifically with that in mind, which is important for so many people that he's able to see it through a view that many of us aren't able to see it through right because many of us aren't living that that life many of us don't have the 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 uh like same abilities to see that stuff and like understand and how understand how how that stuff is implemented in games go check out that steve sailor review because like even phil spencer and like people from xbox were tweeting it and being like yo i was seeing that like, i was like Ooh, this. all right yeah so shout out to steve sailor shout out to accessibility uh and janet shout out to us going into the next this next segment i'm trying to figure out the, what the what the what the move is gonna is gonna be here janet i can't wait for forza horizon 6 <laughs> that's the best i could do based on this conversation but sure. forza horizon 6 is just so far away if i want to know what's coming out to mom and drop shops today where would i look 
the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the kind of funny games daily show hosts each and every weekday out today we got call of duty vanguard for ps5 ps4 xbox series x xbox one and pc mobile suit gundam battle operation code fairy for ps5 and ps4 air stunt racing uh, for switch the gardener and the wild vines for switch the Prince of Landis for Switch, Fast and Furious, Spy Racers, Rise of Shifter for Switch, Enodia for Switch, Still Stand for Switch, Circa Infinity for Switch, Pixel Heroes, Megabyte, and Magic for Switch, Destructivator SE for Switch, Omnom Run for Switch, Emergency Driver Simulator for Switch, and then Let's Build a Zoo is out today for PC. Uh, remember, uh, we got an NVIDIA GeForce update for you. We've partnered with NVIDIA uh, to keep you updated on all the latest GeForce RTX additions to all your favorite games, from ray tracing to NVIDIA DLSS to NVIDIA Reflex. NVIDIA DLSS is now accelerating performance with uncompromised image quality in over 120 games and apps, with even more being added every month, including Call of Duty Vanguard. Uh, that includes Reflex in DLSS in-game at launch. New dates for you. Pro Basketball Manager 2022 is coming to Steam November 16th. A new book date, The uh, or let me rephrase that. Uh, there's a new book that has a date to it. It's a book called The Far Shore Indie Games, Super Brothers, and the Making of Jet. Uh, that is available on November 30th. Tactical Game, No Plan B, blasts into Steam early access on December 1st. Next, Space Rebels comes out November 17th. And then Siege the Day arrives on November 11th. Janet. Remember, people can go over to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where they can write in, let us know what we got wrong, as we got it wrong, so we can correct it for those watching later on YouTube and listening later on podcast services around the globe. Uh, and let's see here. We got some you're-wrongs from, oh, a bunch of you're-wrongs from yesterday. Yeah, uh, happening, though. MCG writes in and says, for Nintendo Switch, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy cloud version is out right now, which is something we talked about a little bit. I think I mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy in regards to the games running on Switch. And so good good to point out that Mar Mar Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy has a cloud version that is apparently out versions, now. Man. Those cloud versions. Have you tried any of them? Mm -mm, have you? Maybe I should try I should try just so I can like more <laughs> more authentically complain about them. I'm not that interested, but I probably should at least see what's going on over there. Yeah, I played the control cloud version on Switch for like 20 minutes. Was and I was that? like, why am I doing this? I have Here's, this on console. Was it bad? Because, yeah, was it bad, though? No, I mean, it's not... I couldn't really tell in, like, 20 minutes. It was just the that, thing of... I can, that game I struggles have, on a lot I can of play platforms. this game... That's the thing, is the game struggles on, on other platforms, and theoretically, Cloud should fix that, but it was mainly the thing of, I can play this game looking beautifully on my console, on my TV, as opposed to playing this on my Switch. This is not a Switch game. Here. But I digress. Uh, today's Friday, Janet. Nintendo it's the end of the week. The we made it. That means that next week we have a full week of hosts. And you know what? I should open up the Kind of Funny calendar to make sure that I have this right and correct in terms of next week's host. Because next week's hosts on the calendar are me and Tim on Monday. On Tuesday, me and Gary Witta. Wednesday, Tim and Andy. Thursday, it's Tim and Tamora for Tim Tam Thursday. Then on Friday, it's me and Janet. We're back at it like a bad habit. After this, if you're watching this live on Twitch, is Riders Republic and Forza with me, Mike, and the community. Uh, if you want to catch that stream later, you can, of course, subscribe to youtube.com slash kindoffunnyplays. Remember, this 
has been kind of funny games daily each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about we have a patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash kind of funny games so stick around for that otherwise until next time game daily <laughs>